0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste, filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness, and packaged cold for peak refreshment. because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome in to the Bulls Talk Podcast, presented by Coors Light. Mark Shanowski, joined as usual by Kendall Gill and Will Purdue, and we just witnessed the homecoming of Derrick Rose, and I'm sure he said he had 50 tickets for family and friends. Yeah, I'm that's sure a lot. they found some more tickets and some more family and friends to come in, and they had to enjoy the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he has probably way more fans that he knows personally than than 50, but of course, when you're, a, when you're a big star like Derrick Rose and you come back home, you're going to have those problems, ticket problems. But none of it affected him tonight. I mean, he, he was really on cruise control. I felt that if he had to press the action, he probably could have scored 30 or, or above. And, and he had eight assists tonight also getting his teammates involved. I thought he played a great game as a point guard.
2: It was interesting to hear him in the post-game interview talk about how he reached out Because of the importance of this game, he didn't want the distractions. He says, don't text me, don't call me, don't tell me what your expectations are. He truly wanted to be able to focus on this game. Because as you and I both know, Kendall, Mm -hmm. when you come play for former organizations, and in this case for him, Mm -hmm. Chicago, New York, Cleveland, he wants to play well. Mm -hmm. And even though he's been with Cleveland, even though he's been with Minnesota and New York, this is only the second time he's actually played Played
0: in in
2: this building. As an opponent.
0: Right. And
2: he talked about how just how odd that is, how it always will be odd. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he was on his game from the get-go, and he made it look easy tonight. He he totally made it look
0: easy. I I mean, he made it look so easy. I looked like it was practice. It did at times. (laughs) Yeah, it did.
1: He could get anywhere he wanted on the court. You know, I know a lot of people remember the the visions that we saw on social media with him in an empty gym in Cleveland State shooting by himself with one person rebounding for him. And last year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he didn't really get a chance to play that much. And when he did, he just looked uh, out of sorts. We didn't see that burst anymore. We, and He wasn't shooting the ball particularly well a year ago. Now after a hard summer of work... He's shooting 47% from the three-point line. He's added that to his game, right. and he's got that, that change of direction, the he acceleration does. that we we haven't seen in a while.
0: Right. He, he doesn't jump like he used to. Right. You know, we, we don't see the dunks and the high-flying and blocked shots like he used to do when he was younger, but we still see the explosiveness. We still see him able to finish at the rim better than most guards in this league. Uh, and as you said before, all great players – add something to their game when they get older. Uh, Michael, For Michael, it was the fadeaway jump shot in the post. For Derek now, it is the three-point shot, which makes him virtually unguardable now because of his ability to get to the basket.
2: You know who I thought of when I watched him play tonight? I thought of Steve Nash. Mm. I mean, I, I know people are like, wait a minute, that's one MVP compared to the other. But we always have known Derek Rose as the explosive powerful mm-hmm. can finish at the basket dunk on people right but I saw a more patient almost a more understanding as far as knowing what his role is right yeah not exactly. only as a score mm-hmm. but as a point guard how many times did we see him actually drive through the lane from the right to left or left to right a and not even them. shoot the ball yeah. looking for his teammates trying to be the facilitator because yeah. you and I talked about it, and you brought this up from the beginning. <laughs> He had 21 tonight, but he could have easily had 30 or more mm-hmm. if he would have forced this the situation as far as if he would have looked to attack. Secondly, how many times on the break did it look like he could have just put his head down and overpowered whoever oh, yeah, was yeah, back? He, yeah, he could have, yeah. And he yeah. pulled the ball out, right. let his team come down, and set up the offense. Right. I mean, it's almost like instead of a scorer's mentality now, he has a point guard's facilitator's mentality. And you heard him say in the postgame interview, I'm just taking what the game has given me. And yeah. it's almost like he is. he's talked about being at ease. He's talking about being comfortable. And I think he's fully adapted to the role that Tom Thibodeau wants him to play.
0: I agree.
1: Another ex-puller who had some fun in this game, Taj Gibson, wound up with 16 points. And early on, they went to him in the post against Lowry Martin, and he probably told the finisher, you put on 15 pounds of muscle, better make it 30 <laughs> uh, because I'm going right at you.
0: He, he did. And, and the thing is, I think that they knew that, Laurie is not used to guarding guys down in the yeah. post. So they said, we're going to go right at the young fella. He, he's not seasoned yet. And Taj had his way with him in, in the first half. I mean, and as Will mentioned before, take him in one direction and go in the other. And that's exactly what he was doing uh, to Laurie Marking the whole game, he had him on a yo-yo. you know. And I think that that could have also, Laurie had 11 early points but and ended up with 16. But that could have affected his offense too. Because he really was, uh, Taj was really doing a number. Dude, he's like, I can't guard he, this guy.
2: Yeah, post. he was doing a number on him. It, it reminded me of the MasterCard commercial. Experience is priceless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like Lowry didn't know what to expect. Once Todd's got the ball in the post, he's going to try to get down to the, get into the middle put uh, that left shoulder into your chest and then shoot that little right-hand hook or go up and under. Mm-hmm. But as you talk about, he had Larry going for the pump fakes. He had him going in the wrong direction. He couldn't switch direction quick enough. And then he was finishing with the right hand, the left hand. I mean, it was kind of like Derrick Rose. He basically uh, had whatever he wanted. And I don't think he really forced much. Surprisingly, as well as the Bulls defense has been playing, we didn't see that defense tonight. We saw some effort, but what we didn't see was the ability to stop anybody on the perimeter, stop anybody in the post, and really give themselves an honest chance to win this game.
1: Yeah, they had been ranked seventh in defensive efficiency since Mm -hmm. Jim Boylan took over as head coach, but that formula did not work in the Mm -hmm. game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. What does it say about the Bulls right now? I mean, they had won two games in a row. You joke about the fact the first winning streak of the season. And the season is not about wins and losses. This no. is the second year of a rebuild that, is, unfortunately, is going to take longer than people had hoped because of all the injuries they've had in year two. But what does it say that uh, after having a couple of days off and feeling good about themselves, they come out with a, such a subpar effort?
0: says they still have a long way to go. Um, you know, now that Zach Levine is back, that's the good thing. Zach Levine yeah. is back, Chris Dunn is back, Markin is back, and, and uh, Wendell Carter is still in the lineup without injury because now we get an opportunity to see these guys on the floor at the same time, something something that hasn't been consistent over the past year or two. Uh, that is the good thing about it. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised that they lost this game. They're not used to playing with each other. You know, and then you, when you got a guy that is hot as Derrick Rose is and Carl Anthony Towns, those are two of the two of the best players in the league. You know, uh, uh, in my opinion, two, two of the top thirty players in the league. So, you know, and anytime you come out against those guys and against a coach that really wants to beat you and then knows your weaknesses, it's going to be a tough night for you. Kind of reminds me of Joe Pesci, youth <laughs> right. because of their youth.
2: They're gonna, you're going to see this inconsistency from one night to the next. And the one thing that they'll learn from this, not only about the effort and how everything went tonight, but they had an opportunity to send a message to Jim Boylan. We're mature enough, we're disciplined enough, that if you give us time off, we'll do the necessary things to have ourselves prepared for a game. Unfortunately they sent the wrong message right? because Jim Boylan has said this is not a negotiation, all right? Remember, John Paxson went out and did his uh, yearly Christmas Day um, radio interview and he talked about development, he talked about continuity, talked about sustainability, but the big word was accountability. And I think, unfortunately, they took a step backwards in the accountability part because I will say this. When I read that the Bulls were not practicing on either Monday or Tuesday, I was stunned because of the fact of the importance of practice time for this team. But I think this is also a feeling out period for Jim Boylan. He came in hard with the hammer. He got some resistance. I think he's backed up a little bit as far as he he has approached but he's trying to fill things out as the players are. You heard Zach Levine talk about in the locker room tonight. I'm talking to these guys. We're trying to keep ourselves together. We know that that you know we're going to have our ups and downs. And even he mentioned we have to figure out how to play together. Zach Levine had 28 points coming off the bench. And I think the plan initially was to
1: – have him kind of go easy in his first game back after spraining his ankle in Mexico City. But Mm -hmm. when they took him out of the game, immediately the game got out of hand. And and I think that uh, Jim Boylan felt he had to to ride Zach. But now Zach admitted his ankle was still sore. He doesn't Mm -hmm. know if it's going to limit him in the upcoming road trip. In the rebuild, this surprised you that Zach was able to convince everybody that he wanted to play against the Timberwolves or or when a player shows that – Want to that willingness to play with a little bit of pain? The coaches will automatically let them
0: go. They, they will. You and and, and you got to let players like that uh, come out and play, especially if they can help you, which Zach did tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had 28 points and he he did a great job of coming off of the injury. And you know, I'd rather have a a, a player that will play injured that than one that will be like, well, I, I don't, I, I'm going to wait till this thing heals up 100, percent especially when you know you can play.
2: Yeah, and you you want to see that desire. Right. All right? Because one of the things that we've asked for, one of the things that we've kind of expected, and one of the things that we've hoped for is for Zach to be that leader. Right. I think right now we're still asking. Here we are, as Mark talked about during the broadcast. Here we are almost at the halfway point from a number of games standpoint. That's just around the corner. And we're we're still asking, who's the leader of this team? Right. Yeah, we are. And and unfortunately – Injuries have had a lot to do with it because Mm -hmm. now Zach's just coming off an injury. Chris Dunn's coming off an injury. Bobby Portis is now going to be coming off his second uh, substantial injury of missing games. So we still don't even know the identity of this team. They kind of had an identity under Fred Hoiberg, but then when he's let go and then Jim Boylan takes over, they're trying to reestablish that identity. And what what has John Paxson talked about? I want these players to send a message to the fans and everybody else that we're going to come out. It's not about wins and losses. It's about we're going to play hard. So that's an identity they're trying to establish. I didn't necessarily see that tonight. I thought they took a step backwards. But I think they have started to adapt to what Jim Boylan wants, what his expectations are. Because prior to this game, under Jim Boylan, their defense had improved dramatically. It had, yeah. But now with Zach Levine back into the lineup and everybody that follows this team knows, you know, what his PER, how bad that is, and how he's struggling on the defensive end of the floor, how does Jim Boylan take him, implement him into the defense? Because we saw the night, for this defense, the offense to be fully functional, he has to be on the floor. Right. So they have to be able to figure this
0: Hey guys, this is Matt Forte. Make sure to join me, Lance Briggs, Alex Brown, and Lawrence Holmes every Sunday after the game. For the football after show on NBC Sports Chicago,
1: the football after show is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. You're listening to the Bulls Talk podcast, presented by Coors Light. Mark Shanowski, Kendall Gill, Will Purdue with you, and two guys didn't play in the blowout game, a 25 point loss. Lou Aldang was suited up, did not play for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Tom Thibodeau didn't want to. You know, throw out a proud veteran at the end of the game in garbage time and Jabari Parker didn't play even though the game was completely out of hand I think that sends a message if it hadn't been clear enough that he probably will not play again in a Chicago Bulls uniform and well we're we're talking about the fact that you feel like that becomes a distraction as this drags on.
2: It is because everybody in that locker room knows he's healthy everybody knows everybody in that locker room knows he can help them on the offense when Mm -hmm. they're struggling Um, even let's go back to the Orlando game that was a 90-80 game I mean, that was the night where their defense was able to hold Orlando down and they were able to shoot okay and win the game. But it's just I – I, I know we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about it, but I went back and listened to that Paxson interview. And Paxson made it very clear that Jim Boylan's calling the shots. He said, I'm not, Gar's not, the front office is not, those above are not telling him who to play and how to play. So this is obviously, and I don't want to say obviously because I don't know if I believe that 100%, but this is basically sending the message that we don't think Jabari is part of our future. And they're trying to create a culture of hard-work, defensive-oriented players. And it was kind of interesting, I think, it was today. I don't know if it was after shoot-around or if it was tonight prior to the game when they asked about, uh, is Jabari in the rotation? He didn't say yes or no. He just said he's available. And, <laughs> and, and,
0: and especially, and I go back to what you said, Will, about the team, Especially when the guy who's playing in front of him is one for eleven, two points, zero for six from the three-point line, and you see him continue to struggle night after night. That's and
1: you're talking about Justin Holiday, who's Justin in the Holliday. process hurting his trade value, He's hurting his trade value, <laughs> hurting
0: his trade value, and. Uh, you know, if, if you're Jabari Parker, you're sitting there and you're like, well, what, I can't help the team? And here's
2: the other thing to add on top of that, because players talk. You, oh, you yeah. know, they'll yeah. be talking on the plane tomorrow. They may be texting tonight. Some of the guys may go out to dinner. But they'll be like, okay, if he's not in our future, then isn't Chandler Hutchinson in our future? Right. But yet he's only playing 15 minutes? No. It, it, it doesn't add up. And then that's confusing for players. And Jabari's just sitting over there, you know, it's in the guys will also start feeling sorry for him because they're like, man, the guy deserves a chance, at least to, to show that he can continue to play to try to improve his trade value so they can possibly trade him and move him on and give him a chance. We had our NBA insider, Tom Haberstro on our Bulls pregame show, and we asked him
1: about the Jabari situation, and he said the prevailing notion among league executives is the only way the trade is going to get done is if the Bulls take back a contract that extends beyond this season. That's something that John Paxson desperately wants to avoid, but at some point you have to make a choice between the luster of two evils because this can't drag on all the way up until the deadline. It's because it's going to, it's going to hurt team morale, and yet if you take a contract that has another year on it, you're, you're
2: hurting your options in free agency in 2019, if there really are any with the top players. And that's what we don't know. And the only thing we can talk about at the present moment is go back and look at the history. And the history has shown to this point that the Bulls have not been able to hit a home run with free agency. Right. They've been able to go out and get players that have helped them or fill a need, should we say. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been able to go out and get somebody that's been a difference maker from a free agency standpoint. they got a great core of players they're obviously missing one or two, but there's a lot of guys that are going to be available this year. That for whatever reason, Chicago doesn't even seem to be on their radar. And you ask yourself, why? I mean, we can, we can yeah. ask we can ask Kendall. Went to Illinois, played here, lives here. I mean, I was I played here, live here now. Part time, and I'm just like I don't understand. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a great city with great, great fans. fans. People yeah. want to talk about the weather. That has nothing to nothing, do with it. If the all. weather has something to do with it, then you ask yourself, you know, how does how does Milwaukee do what they're doing? Right. I mean, how is Minnesota able to keep their players? Right. And and it's just that's that to me is kind of an excuse. There, there's, it's just you can only do so much through the draft. You have to be able to, in my opinion, make a make a a big-time trade, which they did a nice job of getting some good parts and Mm -hmm. very good players with Jimmy Butler. But they got to be able, if they want to win another championship, in my opinion, they have to be able to sign a big-name free agent and that that hasn't happened yet.
0: It it hasn't, and the way that you do that is you – have a good relationship with free agents <laughs> when you sign them. <laughs> and the way things are going right now, this relationship is not going to end up uh, on the on the right side. So, you know, if you're front office, you got to say, okay, the next free agent we sign, we got to have a good relationship with yeah. him, and it has to be a successful three or four years, however long that we sign the guy for. That's how you attract the free agents. Also, a, a winning culture too. It was funny, Will mentioned
1: the fact that the Bulls haven't been able to hit that home run free agent. Tom Thibodeau, before the game in his news conference, was asked about the 2010 11 team that mm-hmm. shocked everybody that won 62 games when they're only expected to win about 45. He listed every player in the rotation. He went through, he, he, got all, he mentioned Keith Bogans and how important it was for him to hit those two three point shots right. that, that they always won by. He mentioned Ronnie Brewer's defense. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Omar Ashik and his grit and his toughness coming mm-hmm. off the bench. He mentioned Kyle Korver playing multiple positions and what C.J. Watson did. You know the right. one guy he didn't mention? Who's that? Carlos Boozer. <laughs> he mentioned everybody on the roster. He didn't even mention Carlos Boozer, who they spent $80 billion to
2: sign. Oh so, obviously, Tim yeah. was not a fan of right, C. Booze. Right, yeah, you, you, yeah. mean, you mean Mr. Give me that. Grab yeah. it, Joe. Get it, Joe. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's – That's funny you should say that. Well, I mean, you know, Carlos, he he could score, but he really wasn't the – He
1: had to offend Tibbs' basketball sensibilities to no end.
0: Especially on the defensive end. Yeah. You know, and that's probably why Tibbs didn't (laughs) didn't mention his name. But,
1: you know, going back to Will's point, that adds up. I mean, players talk. And when free agents sign for a lot of money and they commit to being either the face of the franchise or the 1A guy and then they leave with a bad experience – that word gets around.
2: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, LeBron's made it very clear that he's talking to players yeah, about coming to LA. He's and he basically dared the league to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, they've basically almost made it known that management, coaches, that you can't do that. But players, you guys kinda do your own thing right. but just don't make it public knowledge. And what do you think these guys continually talk about during the All-Star break and on All-Star weekend? And, you know, and what what are they talking about in the locker room about you know, how these things happen and, and how teams come together and and super teams? And it's not even also these Olympic teams. They've been talking about, you know, this all started with LeBron talking about how years ago these guys started talking about, man, we would love to play together at some point in our careers. Yeah. You know, and and, and it's – it's a situation where something has to change in order for them. Listen, I'm going to give them credit where credit's due. They've done a very nice job with drafting players, okay? But now you've got to be able to take that next step and find a way to get a big-name free agent to now carry this organization over the hump.
0: You're right. Now, now, let me ask you, going back to LeBron, if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, did you go to Anthony Davis and say, listen, we're hearing these rumors. Are you going to resign with us or not? And if he says no or is hesitant, do you talk to the Los Angeles Lakers about their three young guys, that being Ingram?
1: Yeah, they could probably offer the best trade Long package because yeah. Boston can't make a trade for him right now because right. of an obscure rule in the CBA, mm. a designated player exception that Kyrie Irving signed for. They couldn't have two of those guys on the same team. So right now, mm. Boston – Cannot trade for Anthony Davis right. until Kyrie Irving's contract expires at the end of the year. So, mm-hmm. people would think they have the most assets, including all those draft picks, to offer yeah. in a trade. Where the Lakers could offer some nice young players in terms mm-hmm. of you know Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma. They could offer in a package. But would
0: you Would you do it if you were if you uh, the Lakers? I
1: mean, I think with New Orleans, once they lose Anthony Davis, they might as well shut it down. They might shut well. down the franchise I, I totally because they're not going to get anybody to come there. Right. And. They're not going to win games. The tennis is going to be poor. They might as well just close down the franchise.
0: Right, exactly. Hello, Seattle? Are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Seattle's been yeah. angling to you know, have a, a second chapter in their but basketball. I, I personally think that the Lakers are sitting there. Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson are like, why should we give up any of our assets? Well, we're pretty confident that at the end of the season we can get him as a free agent and get nothing in return. Right. That's why I think that it's. But they got to wait a year and a half for Anthony Davis. Right, but I mean, in, in the sense that,
0: and that's another year and a half onto LeBron's yeah. age, <laughs> and another groin. Yeah. But, in, the
2: sense that. I don't. The fact that you also now lost fifteen year last seventeen. Mm-hmm. I just don't that's see. That's because Nico's out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's a big part of it. Actually, yeah. I mean, he fits in the way they're playing. He fits in that. He's perfect for that system. Yeah. But I just don't – I can't see Anthony Davis. I can't see his people. I can't see the situation where they sit down and they're like, this is the best place for you. I don't see it. And if he talks about how he wants to win championships, somebody's got to be real with him and tell him, I don't think it's here in in New Orleans. It's got to be somewhere else. Kevin Garnett's
1: already told him that.
2: And if that's the case, then, if – you're New Orleans, you've got to start working the back channels and figuring out what's the best offer we can get for him now because if they're not careful, like you just talked about, if he walks away scot free and you get nothing in return, how, how many team how many games is that team gonna win in the Western yeah. Conference? Shut it down. Holy cow go- I mean, they don't get they have an MVP candidate right now and they don't get anybody at the games. Right. right. What are they gonna get as far as attendance goes at this point?
0: But in Seattle, they'll get a full house every night, oh. no matter who, who they have.
1: Well, there's going to be a ton of free agents coming up, marquee names in the summer of 2019. But if Anthony Davis demands a trade, that's going to trump everybody else. It will. That, you know, that will be the number one story of the summer. But for now, Bulls have reached the 35-game mark, so which by my math means they've got 47 left, and they've <laughs> got to they find some answers, hopefully starting – Friday night in Washington, a team that's trying to fight
2: for the playoffs. So thank you so much for listening to the Bulls Talk podcast. Will, you got something to say before we say goodbye? We're actually, Kendall and I are focusing on Sunday at Toronto. That's right. So you know I am. Mark <laughs> Shanowski doing play-by-play. Yep. Just, hey, tell Stacy to shut up. It's your show. <laughs> I've talked
1: to the producer. I've talked to the, the graphic artist. We, we're already working on ways to try to get some things we can feature. So it, it, should, be, it should be a lot of fun, and, and stacy has been a great friend, and I know it's going to be a wonderful experience. So we're looking forward to it. The clock on the wall and all the people staring at me say it's time to wrap it up. All so right. thanks for listening wrap to, it up B. to the Pulse Talk <laughs> podcast presented by Coors Light. I look forward to talking to you Friday in the pregame and Sunday with Stacey from Toronto. So long, everybody.
0: Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings, just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor.